Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Six days shall work be done, and on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. These are the appointed feasts. Now, you know, it always amazes me today how people confuse a day off with a Sabbath. And and people make them the same thing in their mind, but they're not. You see, if you truly believe in Shabbat, if you truly believe in a Sabbath day's rest, then you don't go shopping. You don't go to the movies. You don't wash your clothes. (laughs) See, there's a lot of people who confuse a day off with the Sabbath. Ah, you shall do no work. When I was a young boy and they sent me down to live in Alabama, One of the first things that shocked me in Alabama, because it was a very religious community. This is like the Bible Belt area, all right? People down there go to church on Sunday. All the stores were closed on Sunday. Now, later on, they opened up. But when I first went down there, I was 14. All the stores were closed on Sunday. All the restaurants were closed on Sunday. Now, later on, when the restaurants opened, everybody went to the restaurants after after church, and everybody went shopping after church. But, you know, in the old days... A Sabbath day's rest was really that. You stayed home with your family. You went to church. You went to the house of God. You worshiped God. You served God. And other than that, you went home and were with your family. Don't confuse Sabbath. Sabbath is not the day off that people want to talk about today. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the appointed time for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. On the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. But you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits to the priest. All right. This is the doctrine of the first fruits. Now notice, it's when you come into the land and you reap its harvest. First fruits. All right. So this first fruit was the first harvest of new land. And it was just a partial harvest. It was a partial thing. It was a sheaf. He said, you shall bring the sheaf. Not not all of the harvest, the sheaf. This is why when people said, Pastor Sauer, how would you, why don't we do first fruits? I said, we do do first fruits. But I don't teach it like other people teach it, where you bring your whole first salary in the January to the Lord. You know, it's when you start a new job, you bring a special offering from that first paycheck to the Lord. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish, as a burnt offering before the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two tenths of an ephah, a fine flour, mixed with oil, 
a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma, and the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hymn. And you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until the same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall count full seven weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. And you shall count 50 days to the, to the day after the seventh Sabbath. And you shall then present a grain offering, offering of new grain to the Lord. And you shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruit to the Lord. And you shall present with the bread seven lambs a year old without blemish, and one bull from the herd and two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to the Lord, and with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And you shall offer one male goat for a sin offering, and two male lambs a year old as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs, and they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall make a proclamation on the same day. You shall hold a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the field right to the edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after the harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Here is generosity in business. We don't scoop up all the business, all right? We don't reap the field right to the edge. We leave a little bit for others who are just starting. We leave a little bit for the poor. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blasts of trumpets, a holy convocation. And you shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now, on the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement, and it shall be for you a time of holy convocation. And you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering before the Lord. Now, afflict here means deny. doesn't mean to, to cut yourself or to, you know, do something that brings pain to you. It's, it's deny yourself and present a food offering to the Lord. And you shall not do any work on that very day, for it is the day of atonement. Now, notice you shall not do any work. Now, I want you to notice some of these other rests are not considered the same. You shall not do any ordinary work. How many times have you seen that you shall not do any ordinary work? Now, this is not do any work. Now, you know, there are some things that just have to be done, even on Shabbat, okay? These are days of no ordinary work, and then there's no days of any work. For it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day, who doesn't, whoever doesn't deny himself, okay, on that very day shall be cut off from his people. And whoever does any work on that very day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwelling places. And notice, there are times of do no ordinary work. But, you know, sometimes something special happens, you know. You know, the... The roof caves in, okay, or, you know, some disastrous thing happens. Sometimes you have to do some unordinary work. But this is no any work. It should be for you a Sabbath of solemn rest in which you shall afflict or deny yourself again 
On the ninth day of the month, beginning at the evening, from the evening to evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month, and for seven days, is the feast of booths to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation. For presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offering, each on its proper day. Besides the Lord's Sabbaths, and besides your gifts, and besides all your vow offerings, and besides all your free will offerings which you give to the Lord. And notice there are gifts, there are vow offerings, there are free will offerings that we give to the Lord. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. Now this is the feast of Pentecost. And on the first day shall be solemn rest. On the eighth day shall be solemn rest. All right, so solemn rest, solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day of the fruit of the splendid trees, the branches of the palm trees, the boughs of the leafy trees, and the willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And you shall celebrate it as a feast of the Lord for seven days in the year. There's a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. And you shall dwell in booths for seven days, Feast of Tabernacles. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thus is Moses declared to the people of Israel the appointed feasts of the Lord. Chapter 24, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp, that a light may be kept burning regularly. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. And you shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it, Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf, and you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on a table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelemith, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring out of the camp the one who cursed, and let all who heard it lay hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner 
as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Now, you, you look at this and you, and you put a big question mark and go, gee, God, I mean, you know, people talk bad about us all the time. Why don't you want them to talk bad about you? Have you ever noticed that when people talk bad about others, they, they plant seeds of doubt? They plant seeds of disrespect. They plant seeds of, you know, all the, all, of all the wrong things. And it, it, it destroys relationships. Well, you know, when you have people walking among his own people, constantly speaking against God or using his name in vain, God did not want all of this doubt and this disrespect to just become commonplace among his people. So understand, their faith in God and their respect for God was very important. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Whoever takes a human life shall be put to death. All right, so here's death penalty. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good. Life for life. All right, so with an animal, you replace. If you kill somebody else's goat, you give them a goat of equal value. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done it, shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Now, yeah, this looks harsh, but this is retribution. You know, when people face consequences for their actions, people are people don't do them anymore. If you know that you, when you go out and purposely hurt somebody, the same thing is going to be done to you, it's a great deterrent. So this is one of God's I would call this a protection of society. The, you know, some of God's laws are, are laws of ceremony pointing to Jesus. Some of them are laws of health. Some of them are laws of sanitation. I would call this, this section here protection of society. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native. I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and they brought out of the camp the one who cursed and stoned him with stones. Thus the people of Israel did, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now again, I've always told you, Leviticus, it's not the most exciting thing to read. I, I, I will grant that to you. But you notice, we do learn some principles here about why God does what he does. You know, principles of protection of society that... People just can't go out and hurt other people and expect there'll be no consequences. That, oh, it's okay, it's fine. You know, there, was con there was consequences. Consequences are necessary for society to function. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Debedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Now, that's an amazing thing. Jesus, do whatever we ask you. And Jesus said, well, what is it that you want? Now, can you imagine? Forgive me the audacity of these guys coming up and say it, but the generosity of heart of Jesus saying, well, what is it? I mean, it's just, Jesus amazes me every time I read my Bible. And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. All right, so they were seeking a position. Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He said, are, are you willing to suffer what I'm willing to suffer? And they said, we're able. And Jesus said to them, okay, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Okay. Judged by your words. You said you could do this. It's going to happen. You know, I do have to tell you, I imagine that James and John had a very different life from this point forward than they would have had if they had not said what they said. The, these, these are words that change destiny. We can do that, Jesus. Jesus said, okay. But he said, now, wait a minute. But to sit at my right hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Ah, positions are the choice of the Father, not requested. Now, brothers and sisters, one of the things that you have to get out of the ministry and out of spiritual leadership is selfish ambition. People who just want to promote themselves. They, they get some vision or some dream and they start pushing themselves forward. And you know what? It causes nothing but trouble because there are positions that God has placed people in. And you know what? You're not going to get it no matter how hard you push. You're not going to get that position. No matter how much you sacrifice, no matter how much you politic, you're never going to get that position because God put somebody else there. Now notice when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant with James and John. So selfish ambition causes strife and disunity. It's amazing. And this is among the 12 apostles. He called them over to them and he said, all right, you got a bunch of strife going right now. I know James and John tried to push themselves forward. Let's talk about this. He called them over to him and said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be, now there's a big statement, it shall not be among you. For whoever would be great among you must be your servant, must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. The leader should be the servant of all and should be the hardest working person in the group. 
Now, you know, I, I've had to sit some of the pastors down over the years because sometimes when branch pastors get their assistants out in the province, they have the assistant uh, do all the cleaning. You, you clean the church and then the pastor, the branch pastor, and he's only got maybe 30 or 40 or 50 people. He has an assistant. So the assistant does all the menial work and they come into work at about 11 o'clock. And, you know, sometimes that got hidden from me. And, you know, if things didn't get hidden from me, it's amazing how things could be changed. But what the branch pastor should do is if you're asking your assistant to help clean the church, you should help clean the church. I mean, please forgive me. I, I know that as churches get bigger, busy, bigger and busier, everybody has to do things they don't like and everybody has to do things they do like and you can't even do the things you like sometimes. But when you're just a small branch church, that's when you really see the heart of a pastor. You know, you, you, you see the heart of some of our pastors that are so hardworking. Yet you look at that down in Davao and you, you see how hard that they work. You, you look at the Urugs in Abu Dhabi and you see how hard that they work. You know, you, you, look, at, <laughs> you look at Rena and Pastor Joy up in, in Luwag. You see how hard they work. You look at Fritz and Joy who just left Luwag and now they're in Cebu. You see how hard they work. This, this is leadership. Must be your servant, must be slave of all. Now, you know, when, when you hear pastors complaining about work and, oh, we felt like slaves, well, isn't that exactly what this says? If you really want to be a leader, you're slave of all? Oh, oh. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. And notice many. Not everybody accepts it. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the roadside. Now notice, Bartimaeus, his name was Timaeus, Bar means son of. So son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, if this is the Jordan River Valley, and this is Galilee down here, then this would be Jericho right about here, and the road leading up to Jerusalem, and this is the mountain of Jerusalem here. So Jericho is this city right at the base of the mountain going up to Jerusalem. In fact, every year when we're there, we drive right by Jericho. So Jesus is about to begin this long trek up the mountain to Jerusalem. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, why? How many stories that he heard about Jesus? How many people had come by talking about Jesus, how he healed the lepers, how he raised the dead, how he opened blind eyes, how he opened deaf ears? How many people had he sat there and listened to talk as they walked by on the route up to Jerusalem? Because that was a good place to beg. Everybody's going up to worship in Jerusalem. They're feeling spiritual. They're feeling generous. Good place to beg. But he also heard a lot of stories. And when he heard this Jesus, he began to cry out for mercy. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now notice the cry for mercy. How many times have I told you, mercy is always a cry that God hears. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, be encouraged, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. I like this guy. He 
throws his cloak off, sprang up. Okay, this is this is faith expressed. He's excited. Jesus is calling for him. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. Jesus offers him a blank check. What do you want me to do for you? Ask. And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. He could have asked for money. He could have asked for a house. He could have asked for people to serve him. He could have asked for symptoms, but instead he asked for a solution. Now, he asked for a solution, not a cure to symptoms. He was poor because he was blind. He had no home because he was blind. He was a beggar because he was blind. He said, Jesus, I want this situation fixed. Now, here's something I want you to get about prayer. When you come before God in prayer, don't pray about the symptoms of the problem. Pray about the solution for the problem. Let me say that again. Don't pray about the symptoms for the problem. Pray about the solution to the problem. What do you need God to do that makes this all go away? Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. That faith was expressed in his excitement. Your faith, Jesus said, not mine. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I like that. He followed Jesus up the mountain. <laughs> me too, all right? Me too. When Jesus gives me a miracle, all I want to do is hang around him and just be thankful to him. You too, Diba. What miracles has he done for you? Are, are you like are you like this blind Barnabas when he gives you a miracle? <laughs> you just want to follow him. You just want to hang out with him and be with him. Ah, beautiful truth. All right, we're going to close out today with Proverbs with a little bit of wisdom here. Let me read it to you again, New Living Translation. Evil people get rich for a moment. The wealth of the wicked does not last. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. But the reward of the godly will last. Now, there's something I've noticed in my short life. I've noticed that when a person lives a godly life, their prosperity just tends to grow and grow and grow and grow. But I've noticed that people who get their prosperity by corruption and crookedness and all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden they're up, 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 and then they crash. You can always tell the difference. Godly people, now notice, godly people find life. Notice evil people find death. What are you going to find in life? If you live a godly, a godly life, you're going to find life. That's what's just going to keep coming across for you. But evil people, all they find is death. And remember, death means separation. The Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. When you just live a transparent life, what you see is what you get. You know what? God delights in that. He doesn't delight in our perfection. He delights in our transparency. But the Lord detests people with crooked hearts. Wow. Evil people will surely be punished. That's God's promise. 
You don't need to go out and punish them. God will punish them. But the children of the godly will go free, will run free. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion <laughs> is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Now, discretion is a beautiful word. But no taste, no class, no, no understanding of a situation, just loud and brash, just, just, ah. Now, she may be very beautiful from a distance, okay, but when she lacks discretion, when she's just tactless, no class, no, ugh, it's like a gold ring and a pig snout. It does not match. Okay, you look at it and you go, oh, you know, why would somebody put a gold ring in a pig's nose? Okay, I mean, why would, what a waste. What a waste. What a waste is beauty with a woman whose heart has no class, has no taste. Wow. Beautiful truth again today. We'll see you tonight. We'll be back in service. Tonight, I'll be preaching on intercession again probably on how to intercede for pastors. That's the next thing in our study, how to intercede for pastors. So we'll see you tonight, 6.30, not 7 o'clock, 6.30, because we do live service tonight. We'll see you then.